Welcome to Devolution, the new podcast from SalvageWire. In this podcast, we will be interviewing interesting and inspiring leaders to discuss issues that are facing the vehicle salvage and the vehicle recycling industries, along with other leaders who can challenge and inspire the whole industry. In this podcast, we welcome Tony Simpson. Tony is the president of the Institute of Automotive Engineer Assessors. Let's get straight into my conversation with Tony. Welcome, Tony, to, to the uh, Depollution podcast with Salvage Wire. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time out to, to uh, talk to us. Um, and a bit of an introduction. Can you tell us a little bit about your career, who you've worked for, and your current role, business, loca- business location, and so on? Yes. Well, um, I started my career back in, in the 70s. Um, I, I worked at a local accident repair centre in the school holidays from the age of 14 to when I left school. And then I, when leaving school, I took an indent, uh, indentured apprenticeship with an uh, independent accident repair centre uh, lo- locally in Surrey. From there, uh, to gain more experience, I joined a Toyota main agent closer to home. Um, while I was there, I, after a year or so, I moved to Jersey for a year and worked at um, an accident repair centre in Jersey. And then when I came back, I rejoined the Toyota agent that I'd worked for. Um, I worked my way up to assistant body shop manager. And then um, in beginning of 88, I joined Eagle Star Insurance Company as staff engineer. Uh, it was something I would have always aspired to do and um, took my sitting guilds at, at college and tried to gain, get the right qualifications re- requirement to, to become a staff engineer. Um, what stayed there in continuous employment for 28 years, we merged with Zurich Insurance in 1998, which continued on my um, continuous employment. And then in 2012, I became um, the fleet technical support manager dealing with fleet customers and large uh, corporations that had high deductibles, large excesses to deal with their motor engineering and their um, inspection function and requirements. And then um, with the development of the business and and cutbacks, I, I took redundancy in quarter one of 16 and formed my own independent consulting company, AGS Claims Consultants, because mm-hmm. I saw with my experience gaining from dealing with large fleets, I saw a need to provide a service to manage their claims costs and their accident spend where, where they had significantly high deductibles of £25,000 and £50,000. So to, to manage that claim spend below those um, deductibles. Mm-hmm. Um, company we're based in southeast England uh, just have one colleague working with me who, who, who obviously was a previous colleague at Zurich Insurance very good engineer very good technical knowledge and great great experience so we, we work well together and um, predominantly we look after consumers requirements we, we get a lot of our work from the IAEA website I've also got my own website that, that's out there, um, and th- there is. Oh, I lost you. 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, let me get you back. Ah, that's better. Um, I do a lot of court litigation work. Mm -hmm. So where consumers have issues with, with um, a dealer or an insurance company um, or a manufacturer and they want to challenge mm -hmm. that manufacturer, I'll, I'll pick up that mm -hmm. sort of work. Right, you mentioned the IAEA, the Institute of Automotive Engineering Assessors. Yes. Um, how did you get involved with the Institute in the first instance? And can you explain your role now with, with the Institute? Yes, well, I got involved with the Institute many years ago because my father was an engineer for Royal Insurance for 30 years. So I used to attend London region meetings with him starting off just over 40 years ago. And obviously aspiring to be an engineer, I used to, I've attended London region meetings for over 40 years now. And then becoming an engineer myself, I took the Institute's qualifications because membership is via um, qualific qualifications route. And um, I became an active member of the local branch, which is the London region, which services five or six counties. And um, I used to really enjoy the, the lecture meetings and, and with the guest speakers where you're always learning. Mm -hmm. And then in 2000, I joined the London Region Committee and started off as the Education Liaison Officer. And then I uh, became the London Region Chairman. And uh, we, we, all the regions attend, have the opportunity to attend council meetings. And then I joined the National Council in 2010, mm -hmm. um, started off as the regional liaison officer, re, uh, um, liaising with the local branches and the regions and to feed through lecture programmes, uh, any, any issues, fed back to the National Council. Yeah. Then I became the public relations officer to, to work with um, external organisations outside the Institute and leading on to that, um, I served two, two years as um, vice president, mm -hmm. and now I'm just completing my first year's term as, as president. Um, it's something that's very dear to me, the Institute, and very passionate about because of the professionalism that, that relates to, to, to our industry and specifically to, to the engineer assessor community. Yeah, brilliant. Now, over the years, and, and you know, like me, you're similar age to myself, but um, you know, we started sort of broadly at a similar time. Um, we've seen technology, the vehicle technology, has changed massively in, in that period of time, um, yes. from purely mild steel vehicles to now you know, multiple, um, multiple technology, multiple types of, of metal in the vehicles, all the technology. And this change isn't slowing down. So how much of a difference has this made to the vehicle repair industry, and how do you see that vehicle repair industry adapting and changing in the in the future to meet the changes that are coming along? It, it, it's it's an exciting change, and as you say, I, I grew up on mild steel vehicles, and obviously um, the the engineering community and the whole sector of, of the accident repair industry has had to adapt to this change, and, and we, Thankfully, through Thatcham Research, we've been in, in updated with the developments in technology and the, and the structures and the methods to work with these technologies. Uh, it's made a significant difference because uh, um, deal was a lot more, uh, can I say, easier or forgiving to work with. Um, there was a lot more that could be done. And 
with mild steel, you were able to complete quite significant structurally damaged vehicles. You you would put um, chassis legs in and every major structural panels, body sides, bulkhead forwards. Uh, mm. But now with the, the passenger cell structures and the new modern architecture, it, it's not um, so engaging with the repair. And the repair poss um, possibilities are a great deal less mm. now with the modern structures because of, of the the, um, the you know the the, uh, the safety cell is, is a lot lot more stronger. Um, it's not so adaptable to the repair, but it protects the the occupants of the vehicle, which is the priority. Yeah. Uh, external panels um, a lot more easier to work with being bolt-on, um, the, the actual passenger's structural frame um, will not respond in the same way to a repair as the previous mild steel body shell. So how does the Institute ensure that all, all your members, or all members stay up to date with the rapid change in technology and the repair techniques? Um, we, we, we have um, a series of technical uh, lecture meetings throughout the country, as similar to the IMI. We have guest mm -hmm. speakers come along. We have manufacturers, uh, welding companies. Mm -hmm. um, all, we, and we, we do keep up to date with the modern technologies and we've adapted our, our examination program to include these technologies. And obviously the, the IAE built the AQP examination. Mm -hmm. So that again, focuses the engineer on the structure of the vehicle. What, what's the possibilities of a repair over replace? And most insurance companies, uh, predominantly the Thatcham subscribers will send their engineers on Thatcham courses and the independent communities will also send their engineers on Thatcham courses, update courses, new materials, new, new methods. So we are kept up to date because it's imperative that we do keep up to date when we are negotiating the repairs on the methods of repair and obviously with PAS 125 and, and the um, the ATA VGA examination obviously that keeps us up to date and with, with the three-year um, re-accreditation of course you're keeping up to date as well. Yeah now you mentioned a AQP can you explain what that is to people listening who, who may not may not understand that? Yes, um, it's appropriately qualified person, and that that is in line with the new API code of practice that came in in October 17. It's so the it's to have a level of competence for the, the person who's categorising that piece of salvage that is technically competent and appropriately qualified to to make that judgment call to identify the repair identify the, the uh, damage that's sustained to the vehicle and obviously the integrity of the vehicle and should this be reinstated and what, what's appropriate mm -hmm. category. Mm -hmm. Now um, you mentioned the code of practice and that, that was updated a few years ago. Um, yes. What difference has that made to you and, and the people people that you work with, the people in the industry? And if so, you know, where's that difference been shown? I think what it's done the, the revised code of practice has put more uh, detail and, and structure into the code and 
I think it's reflecting in, in the modern technologies that we've just spoken about. And I, I'm, I'm finding that the, the engineer will, will have more uh, thought process on the structure of the vehicle, on the damage that's sustained, rather than a financial um, view. It's all about the integrity of the vehicle. And I truly believe that this new code aligns itself to the new structures of the vehicle because and, and, and the, um, the, ship, the body shell structure and the integrities of the vehicle are coming through today. Yeah. And especially with you know, the modern architectures, the platforms that are used, the materials that are used, the engineer's got to take those into consideration mm -hmm. when he's uh, costing the repair or looking at a method of repair to put the appropriate categorization on the vehicle. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, brilliant. And is there anything that you'd like to see changed or updated on the on the code of practice? You know, it's been there for a couple of years now. You know, is it should we be looking at it, revising it, and, and updating anything on there? Uh, I think it, it has to be a continuous process to um, update and revise and monitor it. Mm -hmm. The implications of what what's happening out there. Um, I think there need, there's some administration issues that need to be clarified. And in fact, the um, audit process needs addressing. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, co the code, it, it's a vast improvement on the previous code. Um, and I think in time, as, as future developments occur, I still think it needs to be looked at. But basically, basic structure is quite sound. Yeah. I think the APQP exam is lines up to it well. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, an awful lot of work went into that examination, and, and it's quite, you know with the three sections of that AQB exam, it does challenge the the assessor or, or the chap person categorising the salvage to, to get it right. Yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned audit. You mentioned you know that could could do with with being better. Can can you expand on that a bit more? Yeah. Um, if if there's a challenge um, at the moment, it's quite vague. On, on the challenge, um, I, we see quite frequently, occasionally that, that you know sometimes people are getting it wrong and that it's miscategorised. There needs to be a clearly defined process of, of, of the challenge yeah. on, on that categorisation. Um, but you see, on the other hand, the AQP has, has sort of fine-tuned. Um, and made it more competent for the, the, the right decision to be made in the first place. Right, yeah. Okay. We will come back to our conversation with Tony in a moment. Salvage Insight is a new programme from SalvageWire. We are creating a range of intensive management bootcamp options for business owners and managers who want to measure current value, create compelling customer experiences, market, promote and sell more effectively, improve profitability, manage smarter, determine the most effective management structure and create a strategic vision, mission statement and a new business plan. Salvage Insight will launch with a one-day bootcamp on Wednesday the 17th of June. For more details and information, please contact SalvageWire through our website www salvagewire.com back to our conversation with tony now uh, yeah 
technology is changing how the vehicles are assessed. Uh, and, and we've seen it in our time, you know, when, when I know when, when I first started as, as a vehicle damage assessor, it was physical inspection all the time. And then we had image inspection come in. Um, and you know, some years ago, we're now moving towards um, artificial intelligence, uh, AI, uh, an AI assessment of the damage. What impact will this have on the Institute, firstly, and its members? And how different will vehicle damage assessing be in, in 10 years' time? Um, yeah, as you rightly say, uh, historically, it was physical, uh, a physical inspection to assess the damage. Uh, and the, the, the image um, assessment method has its place, predominantly more on the lighter cosmetic damages on external panels. Mm. Um, the physical inspection still has a place for major structural damage. Um, AI coming in, yes, it, again, it, it, it's uh, an enhancing tool. And I, I think it is without doubt, it has its place to speed up the process on the, on the minor external body panel damage. But again, when you've got major intrusive damage, you still the uh, physical inspection still has the advantage over it. And ultimately, it's going to reduce the, the number um, and capacity of engineers required. Mm -hmm. But it, it can create the more specialist engineer on on to make the right judgment call on the severely structurally damaged vehicle and, and the viability of a repair. But there again, of course, with, with within modern architecture, I'm finding that once once the the, the main frame passenger's cell has been damaged it's, it's going to be a total loss yeah. without a doubt yeah the, the major the, the the days of the major crash repair are, are finished now mm. Mm. yeah so yeah it's a shame that isn't it when you know when we've looked at vehicles over the years and repairers over the years and the amount of technical expertise that goes into it um you know and uh, and a lot of a lot of that is being lost so Recently, you mentioned PAS 125, which has now become BS uh, 10125. Was yes. a significant advancement for the collision repair sector. Can you summarise this standard for the listeners and, and explain you know, why this standard was put in place and, and the benefits of this? Yes, I mean, it, it was put in place, place obviously, to, to provide a standard of competence for the whole repair process to provide public confidence that the vehicle was being repaired um, in the right methods with the right techniques by the right qualified competent staff. Um, it, it, it's, it's a fantastic standard and it, and it provides, uh, as I say, customer confidence to the consumer and it, and it provides a, a solid standard for that repair um, in the whole process that, that um, the, the panel technician is ATA qualified, the paint technician is ATA qualified, the right parts are being used, the right materials are being used, um, and the tools equipment are being calibrated, they're up to date, they're operational, fully functioning. You know, when, you, when you've got a weld, welder now that will tell you if the weld is, is uh, being satisfactory or not, which is, is a major plus. Um, and it's 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 a it's a good solid standard across across the industry 
and it's what's required because yeah. the, the you know uh, with the modern vehicle and technologies on board it, it's imperative that the, the car is reinstated back to its the day it left the factory mm -hmm. now over the years we've we've been talking a lot in the industry over the years uh, about the use of, of reclaimed parts or recycled parts in vehicle repair um, what does the industry have to do to achieve much greater acceptance and use of reclaimed parts in vehicle repair first and foremost uh, i think it needs public confidence and an acceptance from the public that this is not the it, this is a the integrity of the part is unquestionable mm -hmm. we historically have been clouded by the, the dreadful word second hand yeah um, i'm a very strong advocate of, of recycled parts because um a component today will last longer than the lifetime of the vehicle and th this is where the, the the repair industry should embrace recycle parts as the insurance industry because with the fact that the, the majority of the vehicles now will be total loss because of the de degree of damage mm -hmm. on on lesser damage you've got more chance of returning the vehicle to the road where you've got an expensive headlight that could be a thousand pounds and you you can uh, replace it for half that cost suddenly you you could make um a bit change a total loss vehicle into a repair vehicle yeah. you, the customer because at the end of the day the customer was probably more than happy with his vehicle prior to that accident he was very content he used to get it regularly serviced mm -hmm. everything was fine he's had this dreadful accident if you can get his car back on the road the chances are he would he would wish that more than have his vehicle total loss and the inconvenience of yeah. having to replace it yeah. and i think it's, it's a tr tremendous initiative it's a win for society. Um, it's a win for society because you're, you're recycling the part, you're not manufacturing a new part. Um, and uh, it's a win for the customer because you can get his car back on the road. It's, in, it's a win for the repair sector because they're, t they're getting a repair as, the as opposed to the vehicle going to salvage agent. It's a win-win for all mm -hmm. sectors. What can we do more? It, it's a it's a gradual educational process for society to accept it. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, the the um, recycling industry could engage more with um, the assessing community, yeah. with the repair community. It's knowing what you we can both can provide and work together collaboratively. We need to, a greater understanding of your offering. Mm -hmm. And what we can do because the thing the insurance assessor has to make a quite a instantaneous decision on what he's doing if yeah. he knows what his options that he can turn three thousand pound repair into maybe two thousand two hundred and fifty pounds repair then he knows he's got that option um we need it written more into the the insurance policy mm -hmm. and we we need to promote it at, at, at a public level yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's great stuff. And and for those people listening to the podcast, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd ask you just to pause and go back about sort of, you know, a minute and, and re-listen to that because there's some really great advice and great, uh, great um, comments there. That's fantastic. Um, now, 
you look at the industry and the industry that we've grown up in um, and, the, and the collision repair industry, and it's still broadly family orientated with lots and lots of younger generations working with their parents or even their grandparents. What advice would you give to, to any young or aspiring leaders looking to advance their career in, 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 in the collision repair industry or even in the vehicle assessing um, uh, criteria? What advice would you give to people? people? I would say you, there is a, an exciting future ahead. It may not be at the size that it is today and it has been previously, but there, there, is, there will always be a market for the collision repair industry. And if you've got the right work ethic, if you're forward thinking, you're committed, mm -hmm. you, you can make a success because the word opportunity is, is the word. There is a great opportunity. There is an opportunity in the assessing community. Whilst we are contracting, there'll always be the need for the engineering expert and the specialism, and especially to support the, the consumer. Um, the engineer is, is the link between the insurer, the repairer and the consumer and he can put the right spin on the whole process in a professional manner with his expertise mm -hmm. and, and you know as, as the engineer we can advise and see, see a solution and for the for, you know as, as you said for the youngster going into the family business take the opportunity embrace the opportunity learn what's happening out there and it will be a successful brighter future yeah wow that's amazing and if there's one thing that the uk government could do differently that would have the biggest benefit to your business what what is that one thing it would be to license engineers yeah yeah as simple as that so you you've got um a, a solid structure of, um, of an air engineering base with complete integrity mm -hmm. and expertise. We've worked hard to, to promote um, our professionalism with qualifications, examinations, uh, and with licensing, you, you just raise it to the next level. And it's imperative that we maintain a high level of, of skill and integrity and competence. Mm -hmm especially with the moving technologies, we, we have to be updated all the time, keep abreast of things, read articles, yeah. um, read the books, go to training courses, and, it, and licensing would, would help. As, and especially it would create that specialism, mm -hmm. that, because that, that market, that yeah. niche market. So where, where, where you, you, know, you mentioned earlier, how AI and image, um, it has its, its place in the market but moving up from that you you still need the engineering professional mm -hmm. and he needs to be recognized at, at government level yeah yeah so what you're really saying is that if somebody wants to be if somebody wants to be a a, a vehicle damage assessor or a vehicle engineer um then they should be looking at the institute and looking to become a member of the institute yes yes we're also aligned to the Federation of International Automobile Experts, the mm -hmm. FIA, who do great work throughout Europe. We're, we're a member of, of that organization. Yeah. So we're always working together collaboratively. We have an international forum. So they, they lobby um, EU Parliament mm -hmm. 
um, on vehicle safety, on um, inspection and represent our industry. And without a doubt, you know, there, there, is, a, there is a bright future. It's going to be a smaller future. This is why I think it's more from specialism. Mm-hmm. We will put links to the um, Institute website in the show notes. Um, but you mentioned earlier that to be part of the of the Institute, you had to take an exam. Can you be part yes. of the Institute before you take the exam? Yes, you can. You, 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 we we, we um, have a have, um, student grade and mm-hmm. then you, you can take the we have a oral route and then we have um, the written route. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oral route, you can become um, an, uh, an associate member. Yeah. And with the written route and the practical exam, you can become a full member. Right. Okay. But we we encourage and embrace new membership all the time. We we have a quite. A, yeah. uh, we are basically a, a learning society, and it's all about learning and, and examinations and keeping abreast mm. of. Um, Technology and and then and once we've got through the the whole coronavirus uh, pandemic, um, I assume that your local lectures will be restarting and you'll have local lectures and and those are yes. open those are open to anybody. They are open to anybody. We welcome um, anybody along to our meetings. IMI members, members of any organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, we have seven regions throughout the country, all offering um, a lecture program throughout the year. And we also, most of the regions also have an outside visit to, to a manufacturer or, or um, a place of interest. Um, you know, we've had, uh, we've been to the Proving Ground at Dunton, we've been to Thatch and Research, mm-hmm. uh, we've been to Bentley, yeah. Falls, Dagenham. Um, and, and, and all of that, all of that is on the website? Yes. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, we'll make certain that link goes up. Uh, and one final question, and this is one question we ask of everybody uh, who, who's a guest on the podcast. What was your first car? And do you have any special memories of that car? Uh, my first car was a Mini 850. Uh, I think it was a 73. Um, coming from the uh, accident repair industry, I bought it as a total loss and repaired it over weekends. Um, it was blazing colour and I put a purple roof on it. And, um, you know, I, I, the, the guy I, I worked with as a technician on the floor, I worked with him at weekends to, to re- repair the vehicle. But, um, yes, I remember, remember it very well. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, we've, we've had quite a few different ones over the, over the course of, of the podcast we've done. Um, you know, but quite a few minis have come up. We've had minis quite a few times, which is which is great. Yes. It also also show, shows our age, I think. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that was amazing, amazing. Tony, thank you very very much for your time. Thank You're you very for the conversation. Been a real benefit, and I'm and I know that our listeners are going to be better for it. So thank you very much for for giving us your time. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Tony, for your time and knowledge. We are all better for it. You will find details of how to contact Tony and the Institute of Automotive Engineer Assessors in the show notes. Please don't forget to take the time to like and share this podcast and give us a five-star rating. Depollution podcasts are released every Tuesday. <laughs>